Welcome into the At The Yard podcast, back for another session. Today I'm joined by University of Texas pitching coach and recruiting coordinator, Sean Allen. Sean, can't thank you enough, man. I know you guys are getting rolling there in the fall with all you, what you guys have going on, so I appreciate you making some time to hop on the podcast with me. Yeah, absolutely. We're uh, excited about it and uh, look forward to it. Yeah, so, so Sean, you know, uh, Texas, you've been there now for 10, 11 years um, you know, it's, it's kind of been a slow progression for you or a steady progression for you, I should say in your coaching career. But before we dive into that, let's, let's talk about, uh, playing ball in, in New Mexico, right? I, I mean, you know, we're out here in Southern California and, and, and New Mexico seems like a distant land for a lot of people. So <laughs> take us through what, what playing high school baseball and high school sports and, you know, in New Mexico was like for you and what that experience ultimately, you know, provided you as you moved forward in your career. Yeah, I think, you know, New Mexico might be distant land from everybody, but um, a lot of people think it's in a different world, I think. So, um, you know, the, the thing for me is I was really lucky um, to be in a graduating class that had, you know, I think we ended up having 14 to 20 ish kids play D one and or sign pro. So, um, I played on a, a summer league program, you know, back then when, when select ball was probably just really starting to kind of get going, there was really one team in New Mexico in New Mexico that was, um, good. I played on that team and we had, you know, one of the better teams in the country for sure. And just, happened to be kind of lucky that, you know, some really high end talent, some first round picks, second rounders, um, you know, a lot of recruiting coordinators were going in to see those guys. And I just happened to be um, in the right place at the right time, which that's pretty much recruiting in a nutshell for high school kids. Um, You know, and I think that I played on a really, you know, I want to say prestigious high school program that cares about baseball. Um, I've had, multiple big leaders out of there and a lot of guys go on to division one baseball. So, um, it was good. I mean, I, I mean, again, I didn't know anything different. I was from New Mexico, Carlsbad. We didn't do a ton of traveling. I think we went to Denver a little bit, you know, mostly played in New Mexico, but, um, I think the, the biggest thing was I, you know, I learned how to win at a young age, um, played the game the right way everybody that I had growing up coaching wise, you know, kind of that was the bottom line is win baseball games. And, um, you know, looking back on it, I'm really grateful that those coaches, that's what they cared about. They wanted to develop guys, but they also wanted to teach winning baseball. And, um, I think that's carried on with me throughout my career in coaching. And so so you, you learn the game there, you learn how to win, like you said, and, and then ultimately you get an opportunity to, to play ball, play baseball at the University of Houston, and how did how did that opportunity come up? I know you mentioned you know your right place, right time, and you know a lot of guys were in to see other players, you know maybe, and, and then ultimately they saw you. But is that kind of how it happened for you? Did you have other opportunities? Uh, and and then ultimately, you know why why did you choose University of Houston? Yeah, so um, Trip Couch recruited me. Uh, there's another guy named Chris Wilkin who I was really close with, actually. Went to a different high school, but played on some same summer league team. Lived with him a couple summers, um, so we became close and kind of wanted to go together. Chris was a big prospect, kind of the guy in New Mexico um, in the same graduating class. 
and Trip was in to see him um, in the state semifinals or finals in the high school season. Um, I was in the same tournament in the semifinals, and I think Trip saw me as a soft, freshman or sophomore there and just followed along, you know, followed my journey all the way through high school and um, ended up offering me, you know, kind of the fall of my going of the start of my senior year. Um, and then, you know, it was, I had other opportunities, um, you know, both in Mexico and New Mexico state, um, some California schools were there. Um, but I think just the relationship with trip, um, and the relationship to Chris going in there, just having somebody that I knew I felt probably more comfortable at the time, um, and decided to go to U of H and, you know, play on, several really, really good teams and, and, you know, Tripp and I are still super, super close. So I think it was just a relationship part of it. Um, the crazy thing is, is, you know, you see a guy and he literally followed both Chris and I for, you know, three years of our high school career before he, you know, I, he probably offered Chris before me, but, you know, just being able to really know what he's getting out of us um, is just so different than what we're de- dealing with today. Um, but yeah, I just, it, uh, I think that's the biggest thing is just relationship with trip. And then, you know, just having comfort with going into a major city and, a you know, enter to a program like that with somebody that I knew, um, just brought some comfort to it. Yeah. So going, I was, that's where I was going with next, right? You go from Carlsbad, New Mexico, uh, to a big city, like you said, the university of Houston, what was that transition like? And, uh, you know, were there ever times where, you know, maybe you questioned the decision to go there? Yeah, I mean, it was honestly, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, you know, I went on my visit, was there on my visit with the right handed pitcher um, that was six foot nine, actually a California guy named Brian Moore. Um, and then Jason Worth was the other guy on my official visit. And he's obviously six six. And I get out, you know, I'm not the, the tallest guy in the world. And get off the plane and meet these two guys and instantly like, what am I doing? Like, do I fit here? All of that. <laughs> um, you know, so it's, it was different, um, but felt comfortable with the players. And honestly, like just knowing how long I've known trip and the conversations we've had, I felt, felt good there. Um, so went and my brother, I have a, a brother that's five year old, five years older than I am. So he drove me to Houston, drove with me to Houston um, to help unpack my stuff and all that stuff. And I'll never forget, we checked in the apartment and all that. And I was the first one there. And so him and I started to, I guess you could say, go explore the city. And we drove around the 610 loop and it took us, we were like, let's see how far this, how long it'll take us to actually get around the entire thing. And, you know, 45 minutes to an hour later, um, we're just now, getting back to where we started and I'm like, okay, this is, this is a little different than the 35,000 <laughs> people that city that I'm used to growing up in. But, um, again, I think that, you know, the relationships got me through it and there was definitely times where, you know, wasn't real sure, honestly, what was going on, you know, it was, it's a fast transition. Um, the game's totally different. It's way faster. And, you know, I've, thought I was a really good player. Um, I knew the game, but I had a long ways to go. And, um, you know, again, just 
being around a bunch of really good guys that accepted me was a big part of me being able to survive that, you know, initial change of going from a really small town in New Mexico to one of the biggest cities in the world. Yeah, no doubt. And and so you were there from 98 to 01. And and then what 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 happened after 01 for you professionally, at, you know, baseball did, you know, was that something that 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 took place for you? And, and what was that experience like for you? Yeah, I didn't play pro ball. Um, my senior year with actually blew out my knee, um, ninth inning, two outs on a regional, mm. kind of the last play I ever had. Um, you know, absolutely destroyed my knee, ACL, and pretty much every other ligament in my knee except for one. Um, and it was just kind of crazy. You know, it was bottom of the ninth, two outs, hit a slow ground ball to shortstop, which I did very well quite often. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and running to first base and, and um, the first baseman jumped and I went to duck to miss the tag, hyperextended my knee. Um, and that was the last play I ever played in. And looking back on it, you know, ended up being a full-time assistant at the age of 22. Um, and just, you know, it just started my career, whether that knee injury, if that knee injury doesn't happen, I probably mess around in pro ball and, you know, who knows? I mean, I wasn't a big leader by any stretch of the imagination. And um, who knows what my path would have been if that wouldn't have happened. But I think that, you know, it, it did happen for a reason. I'm a firm believer in those things. And, um, you know, this will be my 22nd year of coaching. And I'm, you know, getting older, but still not that old. And yeah. and um, it was definitely, you know, looking back on it, kind of like, okay, this was supposed to happen this way. Yeah. So was that something that you had considered even before, you know, the injury coaching? Is that something that you thought maybe, you know, I'm sure you probably thought, ah, after several years of pro ball, maybe I'll, I'll hop into coaching and give it a shot. Or or was that something that you hadn't even considered? Yeah, no, I definitely considered. I mean, I grew up, I mean, my mom tells stories. I was, you know, an infant. And if I was sitting in front of a baseball game, I was quiet for three hours and, you know, just would literally just sit there and watch the game, which whether or not that's true or not, I don't know, but that's what <laughs> she tells me, um, you know? So it was, I, I think it's in my blood. I think it's, you know, I love coaching. I love being able to problem solve and, and help kids. And, you know, I wanted to do that. Um, I think I, you know, for whatever reason, kind of see the game a little different and a little slower than a lot of people. So I definitely, you know, think it's, kind of my expertise um probably don't have any idea what i'd be doing otherwise if it wasn't baseball but you know it was already set up with trip and, and todd Whitting, who's the current head coach at u of h to you know and coach pierce was actually there as well um trip ended up leaving my senior year to come to texas and then that's when coach rainer noble um hired coach Pierce to be the assistant. So my senior year, I was going to come back and be the student assistant with them if pro ball didn't work out and then had the knee injury and I was a student assistant. So, so, so that relationship with coach Pierce is, I mean, that's essentially your, your entire adult life, right? I mean, cause you've spent what the last 10, 11 years or longer with him from Sam Houston state to Tulane and, and now Texas, right? Yeah, so we this will be our I believe our eleventh year together. Um, six year at Texas, three years at Sam Houston State, and then two years at Tulane University. But he was my my hitting coach my senior year, and then I worked with him um, 
as a student assistant his second year at U of H. And then the kind of crazy thing is he left University of Houston in the fall to go to Rice University. But when he left, I was at Texas A&M as their volunteer assistant. And Coach Noble hired me from A&M to be the full-time assistant at Houston at you know the age of 22. So I want to be anywhere close to where I am if it wasn't for Coach Noble taking that chance. You know, looking back on it, knowing what I know now, um, just the time of year that it was, it was middle of the fall, you know, and I think a lot of guys wouldn't leave their programs that they were with. And, you know, heck, I might've been the seventh or eighth option. I, I don't really know, but <laughs> it ended up working out and, and, um, really, you know, blessed and, and thankful of coach Noble taking that chance on me. Um, you know, I, I mean, I coached guys that I played with Michael Bourne was on the team, my senior year, he's a freshman. I ended up being his hitting coach as a, you know, when he was a junior. So really cool um, to be able to do that. But it was it was all because of Coach Noble took a chance on me. Yeah, seventh or eighth option or not, it did that at this point doesn't matter, right? He he made the exactly. right pick. He made the right pick. And so so let's let's jump into, you know, the experience here at Texas. I mean, you've you've kind of done it all. You've worked with hitters, you currently work with pitchers, you're the recruiting coordinator. Um, you know, tell us about the University of Texas, right? I mean, we in Southern California, we know the burnt orange. We we, we know what what Texas is. Uh, you know, a lot of kids know what Texas baseball is, but it seems like um, what Texas baseball is is becoming a little more familiar here in California. So, so tell us a little bit about the experience so far at Texas. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I grew up wanting to play here. You know, from New Mexico, my aunt lived in Austin, so it was kind of always like this big, massive university that was kind of the dream, to be honest with you. Um, so when I had the opportunity to, to come with coach, it was kind of surreal in the fact that just I, I've been on the football field with, you know, when I come and visit my aunt in the summers and just, it was kind of full circle almost, not that I played here or anything, but um, it was always a place that I'm like, I wonder what it's like to be there, you know, mm-hmm. and, the, the best thing I can tell you is, you know, everybody knows or thinks Texas is, you know, has all this money. And there's no doubt that, you know, we do well financially and all those things. But it's not that, you know, guys get better equipment or all that stuff. I mean, yes, they have what they need, but the support system is just un, unreal here. Um, the level of expertise all the way from top to bottom of the support system, whether it's academics or strength conditioning, whatever it is, it's just it's totally different than any other place that I've been. Um, and I think that's a separator, um, for me with this university and what it's about. Now, I think the, the big draw from, you know, California and all that is the city of Austin. Um, I think, you know, daily there's hundreds of Californians moving here and, and it's just a really, really cool city. I mean, it's, you've got everything from, phenomenal food to live music to hill country i mean you kind of get it all uh here in in austin and and i think that's a a big draw but you know when vince young ran that that football in the end zone in 05 and i think that was kind of the start of a lot of kids paying attention to texas um in all sports you know and then obviously coach garrido coming from over there had a lot of text or excuse me a lot of california kids come in on his programs and it's just been kind of ongoing um it's really expensive for us to go out of state and get guys so it's got to be the right fit and all that but um we've got a 
a ton of interest out of there and there's obviously a ton of good players so it's uh it's been good so far yeah you know i, I was there last uh last fall uh visiting a friend a mutual friend of ours bill Haig, and and, yeah. and the the city of austin you're right i mean it's i my first time there a, you know he kind of gave me the tour of the campus there as, as best we could under covid restrictions and I mean, you just kind of walk around there and you're just kind of in awe of, uh, you know, not only just the facilities, but just, it's just different, right? And like you said, the live music, the food, the the entertainment, everything that, that you would want, it has a very, very, very large city feel, but it it, it really isn't, it, does, it really isn't all that large of a city, right? I mean, it's big, it's a big city, but I mean, it feels kind of like a New York in the middle of Texas. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I tell our guys all the time and recruits, like, you can make it as big as small as you want. That's a beautiful thing for me about it is, like, if you come from L.A. or New York or, you know, some major city, like, you have the same things here. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go downtown and get a really great meal if, if that's what you're kind of used to. Or you can keep your, you know, you know, your clique or your friends to the guys in the locker room and keep it really small and kind of keep that, you know, we've got all different levels of East Texas kids that are from a town of 2000 all the way to, you know, kids from LA, you know, and, and they're used to people and, and all of that. So um, it's got everything here. You can't, you know, that you, if you get here and say you're bored or there's nothing to do, or, um, you know, I think the biggest thing is kind of the smaller town kids, do they get used to it? Um, but if they just, you know, stick with their group in the locker room and, and um, on campus, you can make it also feel really small, you know, and I think that's the beautiful thing about the city and just this university, just the history. And they all across the board, it's excellence. That's all they want to do from the academic piece through just the way the campus is laid out. They're never satisfied. And, and um, I think there's just a lot of really, really cool people here um you know it's so competitive academically just to get into the university so you're surrounded by a lot of people that you know want to do really well in life and i think that just makes our guys better yeah you're you know you talked you touched on that if you're you know you come there and you're bored i I think if you go there and you're bored you're you're definitely doing it wrong that's for sure so sean sean let's shift let's shift and focus a little bit more here on baseball and you know, obviously you're the recruiting coordinator at UT and, you know, walk us through, you know, kind of what your philosophy is, you know, both personally and, and as a program. I mean, obviously you want the best players, right? But, uh, you, you know, A, you may not get those guys or B, those guys may not be the right fit for you. So take us through what, you know, kind of your approach is to recruiting, because you talked about, you know, your three-year follow there with Trip and that relationship and, and how that really, you know, made both sides comfortable. And then you touched on how that's really not the case anymore. So I'm just curious, you know, what is the recruiting philosophy for, for Sean Allen at the University of Texas? Yeah, I think we, number one, you know, obviously we're restricted to 11.7. Um, so every single year we've got to fill the need of, of the team first um what are our needs and then from there you know i think everybody assumes and thinks okay just go sign the best players out there for that need mm-hmm. um but a lot of uh, a lot of it for us is let's put together the best team um you know there's probably times where you know we sign a kid and everybody's like hmm, that's different you know or what maybe not but like 
we want we've got to put together the best team. A lot of that comes down to makeup. Um, you know, we really believe that we can develop guys and um, and can help guys get better. And we've got to recruit to this place. Um, what we know works here. You've, you know, just a simple fact of the outfield. Like we have to run an outfield to play at the dish. Like there's, you pretty much have to have three center fielders in order to to defend here. And um, that's just a unique example to where, you know, maybe at Tulane we didn't have to do that. You know, and you could go sign a banger and all of that. But I think the biggest thing is finding the right kid. You know, like is he a guy that likes to work? Is he a guy that likes to compete? Those are the two best. Number one things right off the bat, um, we might move a little slower than some other places simply because we want to figure that out. We don't want to be guessing on if the kid likes to compete or not, you know, and and um, the way things are nowadays, sometimes you do kind of have to guess on the makeup because we're signing guys so young and they they don't even know what they want to do, to be honest with you. <laughs> and they don't know if they compete because they haven't really been in those competitive games yet, but you get a decent idea just on the phone and we want to work with guys that, you know, we enjoy being around and all that. So just being able to get to know guys, getting, being able to get to know their personalities, is it going to work with us, our coaching staff, you know, other players? Um, Texas is a very high demanding university. There's a lot of tradition here. There's a lot of expectations and, some guys handle it really, really well. And other guys, it takes a couple of years to kind of settle into those expectations. And um, so trying to piece all that together is, is obviously a big giant puzzle, but probably number one is just putting together the best team and then the right makeup kids. You know, you, you've touched on it a couple of times there, the, the early recruiting piece, it seems as though, that started really as kind of a power five move. And now it looks, you know, we're seeing it at least out here on the West coast where, you know, you have schools that, that aren't in the power five conferences that are taking that same approach. And do you think that is something that, that is a good for the game? Uh, and do you think that it's sustainable? I mean, I think the coach is going to drive the market at the end of the day. Um, you know, I was at Florida International when I was there 11, 12 years ago, 13 years ago. Um, and it was still kind of like slightly ahead of, of what the norm was. The norm was, okay, the summer going into their senior year, you paid attention to that class. Um, you, signed, you saw those guys, signed them. The Power Fives were kind of getting slowly starting to get – ahead of schedule. Um, and I'll never forget Sullivan at Florida got the job. Miami was killing the recruiting and he just, it was really, really smart. And he just went ahead of them. You know, he's like, okay. Well, and I don't know this. He's never told me this personally, but from the outside looking in, it was like, okay, well let's go get the best freshmen, best sophomores in the state. And that's what he did. And I know on the Florida side, that kind of sped things up. And then, you know, California has gone that way. Now the state of Texas and all across the country is this way. So um, I'm not saying Sullivan did all of that and started it by any means, but mm -hmm. um, I know from my personal experience, that's kind of where I first started seeing some power five schools jump. And now, you know, even at Sam Houston state, it was like, all right, if we want some of these better players, we better throw 
huge offers at him young and build really good relationships. And I think that's probably what you're seeing with the mid-majors out in California is they know they got to get in there at the same time the Power Fives are in there. And um, I don't – I mean, I think eventually, like softball, I have a really good friend that's a head coach at a Power Five, and, you know, they're recruiting seventh and eighth graders. And then I think they all kind of got tired of that process of <laughs> the way it has to go down of them calling and you can't call them back. And so their entire organization, softball coaches, got together and said, all right, let's put a stop to this and they voted on a different rule. Um, I think the tricky thing with baseball is we can't ever seem to agree on what we all want. And so um, it'll be interesting in the next couple of years to see if, you know, they start to slow this process down a little bit. Um, You know, we'll see. I wish they would. Just the simple fact that allow kids to be kids, let them be 15-year-olds, learn how to drive, learn how to, take a high school class, you know, like yeah, totally. just let them be kids instead of worrying about talking to adults on the phone yeah. four or five nights out of the week. Yeah. Yeah. No, no doubt. I'm with you on that one. Let's, let's talk about the, the, the California to Texas line here. Cause it seems like that, that, that pipeline, if you will, is starting to, uh, uh, you know, expand itself a little bit. It looks like, you know, last 10 or so plus years, you, you know, there's been a slow, steady, trickling of California players going back to Parker Joe Robinson, you know, out of Jay Sarah, Peter Hansen out of Northern California. That 2020 class uh, was lining up pretty darn good for you there with, with Lucas Gordon and obviously Jared Jones and Petey Halpin deciding to sign. But uh, you did get Lucas Gordon on campus and, you know, uh, then obviously looking ahead into the future here, you know, there's a commit in the 23 and the, the 22 class. And then, uh, you know, obviously what you got one, uh, in the freshman class there, but, uh, is that something that is becoming a little bit more of a, a point of emphasis for you? Do you, do California players kind of catch your eye? I mean, if they do, you know, what is it about that? I mean, did the way they play the game, maybe the way, uh, you know, maybe it's a little bit different from what you're familiar with, but, but what is it about, you know, the California players that, that seems to, uh, uh be attractive to the university of Texas? I think that, you know, I'll be honest, we don't really care where they come from. Um, You know, whether it's we obviously have to do a really good job in state. There's a lot of really good players here. Um, That has to be our bread and butter. But at the same time, if we need, you know, right-handed hitting outfielder that can run um, and they happen to be from California, then, you know, we we will definitely not scared to go out there and do that. I think there's a a high interest of some kids from there just because, again, the city um, that burn orange is all across the country and they see that. And I think, you know, being able to play on TV, Longhorn Network, all those things, I think all that ties into them having interest. Um, You know, I think we have some good relationships out there with whether it's high school coaches or or summer league coaches. I think that's, you know, big and important. Obviously, Tulo's been – you know, had an effect on that as well, being from out there. He knows a lot of people. Um, and, I, and I think it's people that we trust and people that will give us the real answer. If we go that far to get a kid, we need to know what's showing up to campus. And I think, you know, so far that's definitely been the case. And, um, you know, Lucas has got a chance to be a really good arm for us. Um, you know, obviously we would love to get those two guys that signed out of high school. We knew that when we signed them that there was going to be – a chance that they sign pro, but, um, 
you got to do that, you know, and if one of those guys show up, then he might be a program changer. And so uh, they play a lot of baseball. I think they're probably a little bit further game ready because they do play a lot of baseball. The weather's good, um, you know, so I think it's it's been a really good, you know, I guess, you know, like you said, pipeline um, these last five or six years. You, you talked about Tulo there and, and, you know, I just in talking to coaches out here and, you know, obviously he's from California. Uh, he has the ties here. What, what impact has he had on the program? Cause from where I stand, it, it seems like it's been fairly significant. Oh, that's massive. I mean, the guy lives East breeze, his kid, his wife and baseball, that's it. You know, <laughs> I mean, he's a huge family guy, but other than that, it's baseball. And, um, he sees it. He's played it. The one thing he can do is, you know, as a coach, the further you get away from the game, I think at times we think it gets easier, you know, and it's not. It's becoming harder and harder every single day just because, you know, I think social media has something to it to do with it. You can find, you know, quote unquote expert instruction on Twitter, Instagram. They can find it anywhere, you know, so there's a lot of voices out there. Um, and I think he's done a great job of teaching the mental aspect, you know, can talk to those guys, what the experiences he's been through, you know, and the second that he opens up his mouth, you know, being the type of player he was, everybody's all in, they're going to listen. And, um, he wants truly wants to help guys, reach their goals, live out their dreams. Um, and he's all in every single day. He's in to make guys better. Um, and it's been awesome to be around. You've, you've been in this, a, you know, a long time, both as a player and a coach, and, and you've seen a lot of different things and, you know, you've touched on it there with social media. How has that changed your job, if at all? Um, I think it's definitely changed it. You know, I think, you know, you can, it's good and bad. I think there's guys that are out there that, you know, as a player or young player that hasn't really been seen, maybe he's been hurt a year or whatever. He can definitely use that platform to, to get the word out um, and get it to college coaches. Cause there's no, no doubt that we, we have to spend a ton of time on social media platforms just to stay up to date with, what's going on with kids. And that's just the, the nature of the beast right now. Um, so I think it has changed. I think the other thing is there's no hidden, there's no secrets anymore. Um, you know, if there's a kid and, you know, just y'all's organization with PBR and the other ones out there, like there's no hidden secrets. You can't keep guys mm-hmm. hidden and um, the, everybody's going to know about them. And, and so I think that has also changed it to where, you know, if a guy has a really good game, you pretty much can figure that out the next day on social media. So um, it's been good. I mean, I don't mind it. I think it's it's something that if they use it the right way, I think it really benefits the kid. And I think at the same time, they use it the wrong way. It can really hurt them really fast. So um, if they're smart about it, I think it's it's an awesome platform for them. Yeah, I, I want to go back to one thing you, you mentioned there about about the draft and, you know, one of those two guys potentially being a program changer. How do you prepare for that when you're 
out recruiting and you know that there's an opportunity potentially for you know two of these guys to to sign or maybe all three of these guys to sign but you know you said you you still have to make that offer you still have to sign them how do you prepare for the the possibility of them not making it to campus uh you know do you have kind of a, a list of players whom you know, are, are, you know, I, I, I hate to say, you know, on the B list, but, you know, who are, are backups to those guys potentially that, hey, I can pick up the phone, this guy signs, you know, hey, Ricky, you know, you want to come to UT? Um, or or how, how is it you go about preparing that? I think each class is different. Um, that 20 class we knew, you know, we, we had uh, four honestly, potential first round picks, um, in the class. We knew that. I mean, I think we'd be naive to say, okay, we're going to get three out of four of them. Like probably not. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's an educated guess. I think you have to use your contacts and relations with agents, advisors, whatever we call them nowadays. Um, you know, (laughs) scouts, you know, like what, what are they, what are they hearing? What are we seeing? I think you can get a pretty good grasp of things, you know, a couple months out, um, you know, Jared Jones was a guy that was really good last or two springs ago, whenever that was. Um, and it's like, okay, well, yes, he has a high demand money wise. He's young, like probably not going to happen. You know, the PD Halpin was really interesting, um, situation just because we weren't real sure where he was going to go. Some, some clubs had him, you know, obviously in the first round and other guys thought he was more later, second, third. And, um, that was one that we're, we're 50, 50 on, you know? And so it's just an educated guess. I think, you know, we sign them, we, they can't show up on campus if you don't sign them, you know? So right. Tanner, right. you know, Tanner Witt's one that showed up on campus. Um, and obviously extremely glad that he's with us. If we don't, tried to sign him and get him done. He never, he's playing somewhere else, you know, playing against mm-hmm. us. And I think that's where you can't sign a whole class full of them, but if you get them done and then do your research come springtime, you can make an educated guess on kind of where you're going to be. And then there's, there's guys that pop up all over the place. Bryce Elder signed, you know, we signed Bryce late June, early July of, after his senior year, um, and after one year in the program, the guys are Friday night starter for two years and just was announced to the Atlanta Braves minor league pitcher of the year, you know? So it's, you know, kids that are out there just keep working and grinding. And, um, you never know when that opportunity is going to happen because there's a lot of crazy stuff that happens in college baseball after the draft. Yeah, so there's definitely stuff definitely happens. And and last thing for me, Sean, being a you know Southern California native and, and living here in Southern California, obviously Aga Garrido uh, means a, a whole lot to a whole lot of people. And you know, I'd, I'd love to just kind of get your insight as somebody who you know was around him kind of in the la- latter stages of his life, and uh, you know what what impact he still has on the University of Texas baseball program. Yeah, I mean. Obviously, college baseball, the guy's, I mean, major, massive impact. I mean, I was a young kid playing. I knew exactly who he was. You know, came into Texas to play Texas. was kind of in awe just that, yeah, it was Texas that we were playing at, but also playing against a team coached by Augie. And, um, you know, I've obviously had some conversations with him. 
Um, but more so the people that worked with him on a daily basis, Drew Bishop, um, Carly Todd, some of those people that I've been able to work with and also worked with him. I think he was just more of a life coach than a baseball coach at the end of the day. I mean, obviously he knew the game and all of that, but he, he knew how to get the most out of people on a day-to-day basis um, and what was going to help them for the, the rest of their life, whether it was baseball or work industry or whatever it might be. Um, that was the biggest thing I took away is just, I think he was a genius from the mental side of how to get the most out of people um, and just really, 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 I think demanded excellence, which I think is really hard to do nowadays. And um, I think he was just awesome when it came to teaching life through the game of baseball, which is something that, you know, I pride myself in as well because we're not going to be able to play this game for the rest of our lives. Yeah, that's that's very well said, Sean. I I can't thank you enough for for making some time and and hopping on the podcast with us and just sharing a little bit about University of Texas baseball. Uh, you know, again, it's it's neat to see uh, an interest in California players and, and and California players making the move over there. And um, you know, we all hope that it's something that continues. So again, man, thanks a bunch for coming on and, and spending some time with me. Yeah, Les, I appreciate your time, and you know, thank you for what you do for these amateurs because it's it's definitely. Uh, I think it helps the kids. I mean, I think, you know, y'all's organization does a great job of, you know, getting kids seen and putting them out there and, and um, giving them the chance to get in front of college coaches and live that dream of playing playing college baseball because it's a really, really cool sport and, and um, you know, I think changes lives for, forever. So I appreciate what y'all do. Thank you very much. Big thanks to University of Texas recruiting coordinator Sean Allen for joining me on the podcast today. Be sure to check out PrepBaseballReport.com for all your news, rankings, and event information. And until next time, we'll see you at the yard.